Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an, also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. Columbia Pictures presents Heavy Metal. A trip beyond the future to a universe you've never seen before. A universe of mystery. A universe of passionate fantasies. A universe of terrifying evil. A universe of magic. Heavy metal. Science fiction.
furthermore, you can all go fuck yourselves. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Hello, everybody. Scott, I saw you trying to keep quiet there a couple of times. Mission accomplished. <laughs> well, I moved the microphone, jackass. Ah, oh, I see. <laughs> Welcome um, to Movie Sucktastic. That's this right. Is your, uh, your, that's Joey, and this is Scott's disembodied head. That's right. <laughs> you like zombie? Mecca lecca hi, mecca hiney ho. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I can't. I you know what? You know what's too. funny? Hold on. I want to just show everyone something real quick tonight. We're reviewing Heavy Metal, Rock and Roll, and the unfortunate sequel, Heavy Metal Two Thousand. Mm -hmm. And behind me, I'll just give you a quick glance. Behind me is the movie poster, an original hung movie poster for Rock and Roll. That was in a theater. I own it fucking rules okay i had nothing but laundry in fr it was like as high as where the girl's <laughs> head is so i went for a mad dash because i realized we're doing fucking rock and roll this is this is a big deal for me this is one of my favorite if not my most favorite animated film next to heavy metal we're doing both in one episode and it's covered by fucking laundry so <laughs> i ran over real quick <laughs> to go you know just get that laundry off so if you heard me scurrying uh, which you won't hear it in the podcast, but you will hear it in the, the live stream video because I can't edit that. <laughs> You'll hear me scurrying around, like removing laundry and whatnot from the poster. Oh, I'm sure they don't hear that. I'm sure they do. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Well, you got, you're worried about other things. Yeah. Oh, look, do it. Do I look worried? Not yet. Okay. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh needle which, pulling thread yeah which film do you want to i mean obviously i guess we'll tackle heavy metal first it's it came uh, out first yeah let's let's go in um let's go in chronological order i think that makes sense okay i think it's also safe to say that rock and roll was partially made because heavy metal i think so Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Because it was uh, the Canadian company. See, heavy metal is uh, Canadian produced as well. And mm -hmm. it was just Columbia, Sony, or actually uh, Sony owned them later, but Columbia Pictures is who put out uh, Heavy Metal. But there was a lot of Canadian uh, producers and influence. I mean, like John Candy from SCTV. I mean, there's a whole Eugene Levy. Huh? You have to cast at SCTV there. Pretty much. Yeah, and it's uh, that's all Canadian-based. And the producers, I mean, they all collaborated on it. And they got it made. Um, you know, Ivan Reitman, he produced. It just... All of these, you know, minds came together, mostly Canadian. They made the movie. Rock and Rule is made by a company called Nelvana, who now makes Nickelodeon TV shows. They were trying to get into the business of, you know, animation for adults. They were trying to be different than Disney and everything that was out at the time. They were trying to go the way of... Uh, like American Pop, like Ralph Bashke stuff, Fritz the Cat. They're trying to go in that direction. And it they fell right on their face right after Rock and Roll came out. They put a bunch of money into it. I think it was 7 or $9 million, which is really expensive for an animated film. Sure. And 
it just basically flopped. Didn't make any money, and Nelvana just kind of went by the wayside. You only started seeing them do Nickelodeon stuff. And Rock and Roll literally sat on a shelf collecting dust until around five or six years ago. When a company called Unearth Films bought the rights, they bought the film, they restored it, released it on DVD, and then just recently, within the last year, took another big chance and remastered it again and put it on Blu-ray. Now, um, I remember seeing it on cable as a kid. Yeah, it was um, it, it was on Showtime. It was a Showtime... Uh, uh, Showtime was showing... They were showing it a lot when I was growing up. Right. And then after they were done with it, when they didn't have the rights to it anymore, Bravo was showing it often, but late night. You'd see it at mm-hmm. like 2 in the morning. And, you know, before the days of DVR... You'd literally have to go by your, your cable guide listing about when it was going to come on. And you'd see a lot of VHS rips on the internet. You'd see a lot of bootlegs off of uh, cable and cassette and things like that. Even It came out in 1983, I think, or 84 on Laserdisc. And that, I mean, I had a bootleg of that. I'm not ashamed to admit it because you couldn't get it anywhere else. Uh, and it was on Laserdisc. So, and I think... Mike, I think you have my copy, or I made you a copy of it, because it was the only way to get I, I it. Have, I have a copy, yes. Yeah, and it's got mm-hmm. this nostalgic, gritty feel to it when you watch the Laserdisc rip. Oh, know? definitely, yeah. And um, now, also, wasn't there, I was reading somewhere that there was an American version. Uh, there's two different versions. There's two different versions of rock and roll. The version that right. we are accustomed to, the one that we've seen growing up, is the American version. Uh, the difference between between the American version and the Canadian version is Omar is played by a different guy in the Canadian version. He sounds more like your typical, uh, you know, Brooklyn, like, hey, how you doing? You know, kind of like that. Whereas the American Omar is a little bit better spoken. Um, sounds less like a, a, a mock cut version of, of a... An American. <laughs> uh, and you cannot get you cannot get the Canadian version unless you get the special edition uh, two disc DVD that's out. And I've heard and I've heard even then it's not a good copy. It's a terrible copy. It was uh, the original copy that they would have remastered from was destroyed in a fire, and the copy that they have is essentially all the bootlegs that we, you know, were trading growing up in the 80s. It's a VHS bootleg copy, which they remastered to the best of their ability. And mm-hmm. it's watchable. It's very, very watchable. But it is the only version of the Canadian film you can get because the, the original master was destroyed. But the only real difference really is a different actor. You have some different dialogue. Actor. You have a little different dialogue from Omar. It's like, darker. It's a little darker. Like, uh, for instance, when they go to see Mock for the first time, he's talking to um, one of the one of his thugs, the the roller skating uh, thugs. I forget what their names were. The something brothers. Well, anyway, his dialogue uh, in the American version is a lot more tame, whereas in the Canadian version, he calls him a dick face, <laughs> which is one of my most favorite insults. And he calls him a dick face. You know, I guess we're reviewing rock and roll first, then. 
I guess. <laughs> well, you, brought, you brought it up. It. You started talking about the poster and everything. I just got kind of. Well, it kind of it kind of went into that. As we said, we're going to start with rock and roll. Yeah, that's right. And then go into the heavy metals. There you go. <laughs> it, uh, I'm like, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be talking about? Uh... <laughs> I went to check out the brother's name for you. I was like, why is heavy metal on my screen? Oh. Ah. Uh, they were the um. Yeah, I'm getting, I, 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 even you I got Dizzy Toad and Stretch. Yeah, but they were like the Rolling Something Brothers. Yeah. Oh, I'm embarrassed now. I wasn't paying that much. Hey, attention. it's one of my all-time favorites, and I'm I'm just foggy on it. They I only just, mentioned it once briefly. And they only mentioned it once. He, and even yeah. when he says it, I didn't even hear it fully because they're like they're punching each other when he says it. Right. So it's and, even kind of muffled. That's that's why it's not. It's totally behind the scene. Yeah, and when he calls uh, the one zip, he calls him um, uh, stupid. He goes, I love it when he talks French. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that just stood, stuck stuck with me as a kid. I remember seeing that for the very, very, very first time. Oh, you know what? It wasn't a Showtime film. It was HBO. It was HBO. Uh, I remember seeing <laughs> it on, on... I know, I'm a stickler for details. I remember seeing it for the first time on HBO, and I caught it about halfway through... When Mock, he gets them after they go to his house and they he drugs them up and turns them mm-hmm. into, into, into idiots. The one character, the friend, uh, he moons. He he moons them as the car drives away, like yeah, that's, that's after yeah. And you know to, it was um, the first time yeah. I you know seen anything like that in a cartoon, you know where mm-hmm. the, the car the one of the characters it just shows his ass. So even back then, I was like, "Oh, there's something different about this." One of the lines that always stuck with me as a kid that I yeah. remember, like to today, was uh, when he's talking when Mock's there and he's talking. Have you ever heard my? We took my latest album, and uh, Om's like, "Yeah, it's Om, right?" Omar. Omar. Yeah. Omar's like, "Yeah, I bought that. My gerbil uses it as a room divider." <laughs> and then he starts. Kissing and for some it. reason, that just tickled the shit out of me. <laughs> It's great, and when uh, she starts, he starts kissing her hand. He goes, "Better get some antiseptic on that before it festers." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's just. Did you get to rewatch it? Yeah. Yes, I yeah. did. I mean, you know, even thirty years later, because thirtieth anniversary is next year, uh, it's still one of my all-time favorites. I I look at it even even today, even with its flaws, which I don't find many of. In the film, even with its with some of its flaws, it's I just still think it's one of the best animated films you're going to find in that era. If you look the back animation. in the 70s, if you look back in the 70s, like the Bashki stuff, doesn't even come close to this. Well, I mean, it, it still impresses, and I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time in comic book stores uh, around the high school time. And there were certain animated films that were worshipped, Akira, right. uh, Bakshi's Fire and Ice, this. And I got to tell you, I mean, like, when someone would come in and say, oh, I got a copy of the uh, t- uh, the Lord of the Rings. Oh, the Bakshi's the Lord, of, yeah, Lord of the, uh, but, Lord of the Rings. Um, he did them all. He did, you know, Fellowship. Right. And, and that one where they rotoscoped the monsters. Yeah, that was in Lord of the Rings. And, and that was, you know, and they bring this stuff. Oh, this stuff's great. I'm watching it. See, this, I, I'm fine. I think it's boring. And the animation never really, like Fire and Ice, I'm sorry. I, the, the animation doesn't impress me. I know it's, I, I am, got my own issues 
Ralph Bakshi to begin with. But what I'm saying is, I, I go back now. It's you know what, 20, 30 years later. No, yeah. it's thirty years. Oh Jesus, uh, thirty years later. Yeah, and Fire and Eyes came out. The, anim- the animation still impresses. It's still it's still uh, some really nice visuals. They really play with it. It's got that heavy metal feel to it as well. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's 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 really great about it is. Heavy Metal isn't available on Blu-ray yet, as far as I know. I looked for it. It's, it's Oh, no, it is available on Blu-ray. Uh, I'm sorry. I do... Duh, I own it. Uh, Rock and Rule is also available on Blu-ray, and they fucking remastered the shit out of that. And it looks... Because I, I take it you, you watched the, the DVD version of it, of Rock and Rule. I watched a copy of Rock and Rule. I watched a copy of the LaserDisc copy that I got from you. Oh, Wow. I mean, it yeah. is so much more impressive in Blu-ray. I mean, it's amazing what they were able to remaster with this. I mean, the reds uh, are red, sure. the you know, the blues, everything is just really, really vibrant. It looks I would imagine this is exactly how it looked if you were able to see it in a theater. Probably Maybe better. Better, better. Yeah, yeah, to be honest. Um, this is one of those films that, you know, we always talk about I don't need it on Blu-ray. You know, it, it, it's 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 a film made in the '80s. It doesn't need to be on Blu-ray. It's not going to look any better. This is an instance where, from Laserdisc to to VHS to DVD to Blu-ray, you you definitely see a significant difference between all of them. Mm-hmm. Blu-ray is just the ultimate cut. So, but um, and it, and it's got some extra features on the DVD and Blu-ray as well, like the Canadian version, which I highly recommend for anyone that is interested in it. You may even want to watch the Canadian version first uh, and then watch the American because the Canadian one is the version that they wanted everyone to see. It didn't test well, so that's why they changed Omar's voice and some of the dialogue and all that, and that's why well, even there's, when there's it released, two versions. Even when it released in the, the in theaters in America, didn't they retitle it uh, The Ring of, Ring of Power? Uh, it was never... It was nev- That was never a final... Uh, title for it. Oh. They do oh, have okay. in in the extras. They do have screenshots uh, where that instead of rock and roll loads up, it's Ring of Power, or which makes perfect sense. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you know there's that one scene where he actually uses the ring, and in the first ten minutes, right. <laughs> the only thing got- that ring was for was just to find the voice. That's it. I think they should have called it uh, Omar and the uh, ba- what was it the uh, Day Sitters, the name of the band. Yeah, no. When they went when they went goofy. Oh yeah, the end, yeah. It? It, no, it was um, Omar and the Day Trippers. Yeah, in in Omtown, or the yeah. it was the Omtown something or others. I forget you know that. I don't remember. I don't remember. But <sighs> but yeah, it's just a movie from my childhood. Uh, I just. Even to this day, I love it. Absolutely yeah, love the it. One, now, the one, yeah, the one thing it had on over heavy metal is that it's original music. You and you've got you, instead of just having you right know, popular music in there, you've got popular musicians. You've got Iggy Pop, you got Deborah Harry. Uh, you got Iggy Pop, Deborah Harry, Lou Reed, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, actually, it's on the poster. Cheap Trick, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Debbie, Harry, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop. And they all did original music for the film. As a matter of fact, uh, Debbie Harry, 
she did a song for the movie called, uh, I think it was called Angel's Voice or Angel's Song, yeah. which mm-hmm. years later, she kept the music but changed the lyrics altogether and re-released it. Smart move. Well, I will always associate it with the film. And uh-huh. hearing any any other version of it, it just seems weird to me. But I could imagine to her, because the film, when she did it, was just you know collecting dust and obscurity. It just, no one, people heard of it, but not a lot of people saw it. So when she redid it, it was like, well, you know what? I've always liked the song. Maybe, I could, maybe it'll be a hit. Maybe I'll get a second shot at it. And that didn't happen, but she did re-release it. And I mean, it's a great song. It's better in the movie, in my opinion. But but it, it, you're right. It is all original music. And a lot of the music in the film is good, too. It's not just, you know, they just threw it together. It's good music. Even the Earth, and Wind, was, and Fire this... song was, you know, was a... Because it was done in, like, a disco or, like, a future... It was yeah. in the future, but it's, like, this neo... Po, you know, post-apocalyptic future, and it fits. And there's some damn good songs too. Uh, I mean, Lou Reed's uh, "Mock." Uh, my name is Mock. Thanks a lot. My name is Mock. Thanks a lot. One of my favorites. Thanks still. a lot. <laughs> I mean, the mock animation. Um, anybody who hasn't seen the film, the basic story is it's the future where World War Three has wiped out all humankind and yep. ev- everyone Dogs, around. Cats are and re- rats. Those are the only things left alive. Evolved, evolved into humanoid people. And Mock is this big. And which one is Mock? Is he a rat? I mean, it's really kind of hard. Yeah, you know what? You don't really, you really know if he's a rat or a dog. He's definitely yeah, he's not a cat. He's the only one that almost seems human, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know what, too? Just a little history about Mock. His, his name in the film is Mock Swagger. And he's supposed to be this combination of Iggy Pop and Mick Jagger. And but, he is. Well, <laughs> no, he's, no, it is. It absolutely is. But the problem is... His name is just Mock in the film and the credits. They had, right. um, there's there's actual uh, rock and roll promo stuff from the early 80s, like a, like a, um, uh, behind a, a backstage pass that has his picture on it. It's like all kinds of cool stuff. They never got the fucking do. Well, anyway, his, his real name is Mock Swagger, but in the credits it doesn't say that because Mick Jagger actually did a cease and desist. He was going to sue them if the name Mock Swagger came out in any way for the film. Now, of course, instead of being uh, you know, flattered, his lawyers talked them fucking into it. There's another, there's a big popular song out now, uh, the Moves Like Jagger, okay? And he's uh-huh. like, oh, you get my blessing. I think it's fantastic. It's like, because you're fucking 65. Not that you're not relevant anymore, but it's just you're not pushing out new music. You're just going on, you know, on tours. You make a lot of money doing that. But who fucking cares now? 30 years yeah, ago, want- he's half the age. You know, uh, the Rolling Stones are still going out on tour con- consistently, you know, making new music 30 years ago. And no, you can't let him do that. You got to tell him you're going to sue him. Okay, I'm going to sue you. So that's why his name is Mock Swagger, but. You know, you only get that from like the wiki site or behind the scenes stuff, right? And they could have gotten away with that too, because it is, uh, it's a, it's a parody yeah. of it. So that's you know, well, they I'm were pretty afraid. sure that was after. They were. Afraid. I'm pretty sure that was after. I'm pretty sure that was after the uh, uh, the Larry Flint situation. Oh um, yes, it was. 
yeah, he's one of yeah. the reasons why the the courts recognize that parody does not count as copyright infringement. Well, even though the Larry Flint stuff did happen, they were afraid. They were afraid. Oh no, no. you got enough money to throw at somebody. They're like, okay, well, we don't have the money to pay lawyers to do this in the first place. Well, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true too. But what it really came down to was, you know, they all basically said, "Are we going to fuck the release date for a last name that we all giggle at?" that as well you know because they probably would have won but the film would have been held up for a year or two would it would have been more of a financial strain exactly yeah. so financially it's like there's no point to it just you know right. so they figured fuck wants. it we'll drop the last name and we'll, we'll release it on time right so that's essentially how that came about and i mean everything it, in the film oh it points right to mick jagger i mean like that skinny uh -huh. bone structure even the way he talks the jowls you know just uh, oh sure, just the hair, everything, even the way he, you know, when he sings, he's Lou Reed. They always said that in the in the making of, when he sings, he's Lou Reed. When he's talking, he's Mick Jagger, and when he's at the end of the film, he's Iggy Pop. They've always said that because he, like, when he becomes evil, he's Iggy Pop. You right. Know? When he's singing, he's Lou Reed, and just the rest of the time, he's Mick Jagger. So I, I mean, Lou Reed and Iggy Pop, they're very they're very Mick Jagger esque too. They. No, they didn't have right. a problem with it. They were getting paid, though. But I think if anybody goes evil, they become Iggy Pop. I think that's just the way it is. <laughs> I mean, so so the film takes place in this weird future, and Mock is this mega mega star rock star, and he's trying to bring about the end of the world because that's how he gets his kicks. And he well, needs his last a special album didn't voice. Get good review, so he's he's a fucking little bitch. He's not a little bitch. He's just he's like a like a school. You know, he didn't get his way. You know. He, the world doesn't want anything to do with him anymore in his eyes, so he's going to destroy the world. Right, even though he only got a, some bad reviews for the last album, he's just fucking insane. It's a power trip. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the all it is. part goes with it. And so, but he needs to get a special voice for the harmonics in order to open the door to bring Ulatuka uh, or whatever it is. No, no, that's, that's heavy metal, sorry. But to bring this, like, uh, <laughs> Lovecraftian demon yeah. to the world. And so it turns out to be this singer, and she, her boyfriend's a dick. Uh, Omar, well, you know, rightfully so. Though he could well, see, he could, me? he could see, he could smell. Well, you're talking about how he acts towards Mock, or just in general? No, no just in general. Oh, okay, yeah, he's a dick to her because okay, you know, he you. doesn't want her to sing, and she wants to sing. And uh, you know, can we play one of my songs? Yeah, 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 sure. And then she starts singing. He's like, "What the fuck?" You know, like he has his face on him. Like, what the fuck did you just do? And just storms mm -hmm. out of there like a like mock like a little child you know um but yeah he's a dick i would call mock little child listen he wants to bring forth a demon because he got some bad reviews on his last album so he's acting like he's acting like a child fucking get, o get, like get over insane. it same i over. mean i think there's a difference i think there's I'm, a difference that's just yeah he's not throwing so. a tantrum he's bringing about the end of the well, world he does throw a tantrum Slightly. later on in the film and you just get the gist that he yeah he acts like a little he, child well uh, all right i'll give you a little child you happy i'm happy don't make me throw a tantrum like a little child jesus so i get my way you what's your problem with children anyway my god i got no problems with children <laughs> zero oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, just out of the three films, uh, I would say it's the one that I enjoy the most overall. Oh, definitely. I agree with you. It, it, it just, it's nice that it has a whole story you can 
follow. The music's great. It integrates well with the film. I, you know, that's that's uh, it's it, it's a, it's a, one of those you know, like you said, it's one of those films from our childhood that you really just remember and yeah. grab onto. And every, when you watch it now, you st- there are parts where you still get that feeling you did back then. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It's just a lot of fun. It's just in the end, it's just a lot of fun, you know. And mm-hmm. the, the and very I end did, of the film the, builds up, and you, you're rooting for the good guys. You know, it just, just fun, just fun, fun, fun. And also, this yep. uh, Deborah Harry made, made this, did the voice in this, the same year she starred in Videodrome. She didn't do the voice for the girl Angel. She no, just she, she just was singing, singing, yeah. Oh, Videodrome was the same year, 83. That's right. It was the same yep. year. She was trying to break into film, and you know she was doing uh <laughs> And doing James Woods broke into her. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> he sure did. We should review Videodrome at some point. That's true. Hmm. I, I don't know what to say, but I, I agree. We should video... <laughs> well, we... <laughs> I mean, well, Cronenberg, you could just, you know, you could just spend two hours talking about Cronenberg. Do you know his son is coming out with a film? No. Yeah. Um, it's called um, Antiviral. Okay. And it's a, f- it, it, it looks like his son is trying to be his father film-wise. Uh-huh. If I could just bring it up real quick before we head into heavy metal. Um, uh-huh. It. it it doesn't look very good. It just has this feel like, okay, I watch my dad make movies. I've worked on movies with my dad. Now they're giving me money to make a movie. And it looks a little too Cronenberg-esque for me. Uh, well, and it, to be honest, it doesn't look... Because the basic plot is this future where everyone worships celebrities even more than to like now. So they're harping on that. And it gets to the point of where this one guy in the film, he worships this one actress and catches the same disease as her because you can do that. You can have the same feelings. You can connect with these celebrities somehow. Um, and he, she's sick. So he ends up getting sick because he does this connection and she dies and he has to figure out how she died. So he can not die himself. To me, it's stupid, stupid, premise for a plot no yeah i'll give you that but i mean it may shock me i will watch it but it just looks and let's be a little fair to him yeah. if you grew up with cronenberg and you grew up like helping him on his films and being involved in that process you're gonna be like him you know yeah, it, i mean it could go it, either way you could go the complete could, opposite yeah all i'm saying is i just don't i i you know let's give the guy a chance let's watch it first and then Okay, but I, I don't. Th- I, I don't. I, I just think don't like the, the premise. I just don't like the premise because I agree with you on that. That sounds stupid to me too. But all, all I'm saying is, give the guy a chance as far as copying his father. Because really, if you spend that your time in that environment, you're not really copying. You're just you are. All right. You know? All right. I'll give him that. That's all. But you know, you're right. It sounds like a stupid premise. But. It it really does. It really yeah. really does. But anyway, um, do we want to anyway, move into yeah. heavy metal? Before Rock and Roll came out, there was heavy metal. There was heavy metal. It came out after uh, Rock and Roll, uh, before Rock and Roll, I should say. Based on the the popular uh, fact, magazine, Heavy on. Metal. I think I have an, an issue right here. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? I do. Ah, here it is. As a matter of fact, the issue that I have, the story that's on now, 
is um, uh, the the one with John Candy. Yeah, they're all with John Candy. But uh, uh, what the hell was it? The Den? one Den. Yes, I have that. That's in this one. And of course, I'll here it is. I'll show it to uh, show it to the camera. Um, what you get with this is the it's like ultra realistic um, drawings of the comic, and they did a decent job for the film. But if they had done what was in the the comic, I mean they 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 would they would have to do that nowadays. If they were doing anything like that, they would do it nowadays. So, well, but they didn't. No, they, they didn't. Did now. I mean, back then, I mean, they showed his penis, no, no. and it's like ergonomically when correct. They, when you get to the sequel, they what they should have done, which they could have done, couldn't have done back then, they didn't do now. Correct. Oh, this oh, right. so much fucking CGI in the sequel. Well, we'll, 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 we'll save there. that. We'll save that because we're gonna shit on now, it. Now, the the only thing that really holds heavy metal together is the anthology format. And this was this was right? na September nineteen seventy seven. That's what this issue's from. It's one of the first ones. I think it was the first two three years. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, you're right. The whole anthology of it is what saves the movie. Because um, you really can't watch um, as they prove with the sequel. You, I mean, any one of these things drawn out into an hour and a half, hour 45, it's like, okay, the gimmick's over after the first half hour. As um, as uh, the former owner of, I'm pretty sure was the former owner of Metropolis Comics once told me, you can only sit there with your dick in your hand watching the animation for so long <laughs> before you're like, okay, I get it. It's great animation. Give me something else. Right. And so, I mean, every, everybody has their favorite spots in the movie oh yeah sure one has their most favorite their least favorite you know i, like, I love the um personally yeah, is is the b-52 bomber that's Definitely. my that's my favorite one you right know? that's just it's it's so different than the whole rest of the film you know the, the whole film is tits and ass and you know violence and all that, and the B fifty two bomber is just uh, you know just an all good around zombie. Uh, you know it's it's fifty B fifty two bomber, and the Lochnar uh, gets slams up into the bottom of the ship. My, what my Lochnar? My Lochnar. My Lochnar. Uh, <laughs> From the uh, den. It, it, yes, it slams up into the bottom of the ship and uh, raises the dead that are in the ship, brings them back to life, turns them into zombies, and it's just right. it's. It just ultra gore. Like there's one guy he opens the door and his guts pile out all over the place, and he's fucking mm -hmm. dead. He's shot up to hell. And but it's all... also got a, it's no. also got a different tone and feel to it as the other ones. And that's, and that's the great thing about the anthology part is every one has its own uh, flavor to it. And you're not just plotting through this two hour animation fest. You're you're given different everything. Every yep. story has a different pace to it. It's got a different style, less humor, more humor, and so it's really easy to get lost in one and think, okay, now what's next? For you know, the first time viewing it, you're really just looking forward to the individual ones. To, you know, you, you just get this feel that you're in for a treat for every time the next anthology portion comes up. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, again, it's exactly how they failed with the the sequel. But yeah, yeah. with this one. Um, 
uh, like what you're saying with the anthology, every single one, even though a lot of the same team of teams of animators worked on this, you're right. They went through a pain, a painstaking process to try and make each one look a little different, even though you could tell, okay, this was done by the same people. They did little things, you know, they had different directors too, didn't they for each one? Yes, they did. You know, they, they did, yeah. they did little things to make it, make it different. Well, that's the important thing. As long as you have different, it's like the VHS film we reviewed a couple of episodes ago. Right. You have different directors. Automatically, you're setting a situation where you're gonna have a different tone for each one. You're gonna have a different style, and that really just makes it more, more of a treat. Like for instance, Den is ending, and it moves into the Captain Stern portion, which <laughs> is my second favorite. Mine too. Oh, dude. You know. <laughs> Hold on. I almost wanna unmute this and watch it. And just talk. I got, oh, I got, I got an angle, Charlie. What angle? I, I got an angle. <laughs> what angle? What about all those times you sold dope disguises and none? <laughs> I think we should. I think we should watch this. No, 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 no. Come on. At no, least, no. okay. You know what we'll do when the part comes where he's talking about the angle. I'll unmute it. We'll listen to that part. I have to. It's on the screen. We have to. All right, all right. All right. The <laughs> whole the him. whole rant, the whole rant for hand over fist, hand over fist. Uh, um, the whole rant is oh. great. Where he's like, as he just he's playing with the little the little Lochnar, you know, going back and mm. forth. <laughs> all right, here it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna unmute this. Lincoln Stern. You stand here accused of 12 counts of murder in the first degree, 14 counts of armed theft of Federation property, 22 counts of piracy in high space, 18 <laughs> counts of fraud, 37 counts of rape, <laughs> and one moving violation. <laughs> How do you plead? Not guilty. <laughs> is it bad that I laughed more at the rape part? <laughs> and one moving violation. Not guilty? Are you nuts? It's okay, Charlie. I got an I angle. Angle. Call the first witness. <laughs> but the prosecutor's got you cold. You're as guilty as a cat in a goldfish bowl. The prosecution calls Hanover Fist. Hand over fist. Hand over fist. Calling hand over fist. I just love the the look, the quick look he gives at the Listen, screen when sir, he's walking. Change the plea to guilty. Throw yourself on the mercy of the court. I told you, Charlie. I got an angle. But the most <laughs> we can hope for is to get you buried in secrecy, so your grave don't get violated. <laughs> Shut up, Charlie. I got an angle. What angle? Great writing. Oh, yeah. State your name for the record. I am Hanover Fist. <laughs> you know the defendant, Captain Stern? Yes, I know Captain Stern. And never did there live a kinder, more generous man. I promised him 35,000 Zulex to testify on my behalf. 
he's an overflowing cup filled with the very cream of human goodness. In all the time I've known him, he, he's never done anything immoral. See? Unless maybe the preschooler's prostitute ring. And he's uh, never done anything illegal. Uh, Unless you count all the times he sold dope disguised as a nun. He's always been a good, law-abiding citizen. Oh, give me a break! <laughs> of the Federation and, and... Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! A, a community-conscious individual. Stern! He's nothing but a low-down, double-dealing, backstabbing, larcenous, perverted world. Hanging's too good for him. Burning's too, too good, good for him. Head <laughs> over. And then cue up cheap trick. And the music. Oh, yeah, the music, music fucking just, great. Like, works perfectly in the movie. Oh yeah, fucking a. Turn that down. All right, I'm gonna mute it. Don't worry. All right, I had to do it. I'm sorry. You got to remember too. We're doing a live show that people will be able to go into and watch later. Come on, we're talking it up. It's on the screen. You got to give them oh, something. Give me a break. Come on. Come on. Come on. You know, the funny thing Burning's too good for him. Hanging's too good for him. When I saw this when I was a kid, yeah. for some reason, the part where he says all the times you sold dope disguised as a nun, yeah. for some reason, I thought he disguised the dope as a nun. <laughs> I mean, what, I was like, what, nine, ten? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. Disguise the dope. That would be great. If, you know, you could go back. You know what? Someone should do that. Someone should get, you know, a bag of, uh, of whatever. Say whatever All it right, is. I get dope, nagging crazy. And just put a, a fucking. Come on. Do that. What? Get a bag of dope. Doesn't have to be real. Dope. Anyway. Dress it up like a nun <laughs> now, and just play it next to that. Come on. It's funny. Now. What's your least favorite part of heavy metal? The end, the very last one. The one with her. Thank you. Me too. Wow, dude. It's like scary how in sync we are on this. Me too. The whole, uh, what, is, uh, what is that one called? That's that the, one, uh, um, uh, the Grimaldi, right? No, that's that's the, the, the first one, the taxi driver. Um, no. Grimaldi, the taxi driver. No, Grimaldi is the guy that picks up the Lochnar at the end of the taxi uh, taxi driver one. I thought I thought Harry Canyon was the taxi driver one. Yeah, but the the one guy, his name is Grimaldi. Hold on, I have it up. Right the here. Grimaldi segments was the I thought the uh, Hanover Fist. Um, oh, was it Tarna? Tarna, Tarna. Yeah, you got Harry Canyon, and Grimaldi is the. He's the bad guy. The guy. Well, he's not the bad guy. He's the guy that that buys the Lochnar off her at the end of the at the end of that segment, and then where she double crosses him. But Tarna, uh, let's see, Harry Canyon, Tarna. It is Tarna. That's the very last one. That's the one that builds up through the whole film, 
And right. you know that that's that's the, that's the one with the ooze where the they get buried in the ooze and then they're all fucked. They're all evil. She rides in on like a pterodactyl type thing. It's the cover of the box yeah. and the poster. That's it's, that's it's, Tarna. It's the bookends. It's the beginning and the end of the movie. Yes, the movie. Right. Correct. That's your that's your tying link to the whole film, basically. Yeah. Now the weird thing about that too, and most likely based on the uh, on the uh, copyright issues they had with the music, when she walks into the bar, they're playing Devo. What song are they playing? Oh, Devo. They're playing. Um... Come on. Fuck is the name? Hold on, give me one second. I know, oh. I know it. Don't tell me. I know it. Just give me two seconds. One of my favorite songs to sing on um, Rock Band, by the way. <sighs> when they go in, the fuck are they playing? Devo, Devo, they're up there, and they're going uh, taking a You're ride. Cheating now. Taking a why? What? How am I cheating? It's taking a ride. Not taking a ride. Devo, that's not a Devo song. Oh we're, no, we're that's th- Don. That's uh, Don Felder. What am I talking about? We're through being cool. We're through through being. Is, is that the name of it? Through being cool is the song. Yeah, they play it for like thirty seconds, but on the soundtrack, they do Devo's um, working in a coal mine. Working in a coal mine. It's not on the soundtrack. Working in a coal mine's on the soundtrack. Through right. being cool isn't. Through being cool is not. Right. So that's like the one song that somehow, for some reason, although didn't make it to the soundtrack. Um, you know. Is it on the cassette that I have, but not on the CD? No, I can't. I, right. I had I had cassette. Yeah. Yeah, that can't. Be I had right. it was four CDs. I had the cassette too. Yeah. So that was like the one thing I always re- remembered that always bothered me because I'm a Devo fan. Yeah, I love Devo. I, I liked every song they did in the film too. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I, I working in a I coal mine. They played that during the credits. That's the only time you heard that. Right, but. Through being cool is in the film itself, so how come that's not on the uh, soundtrack? Always bothered me. It's it's I used to listen, I, copyright. I used to listen shit. To that soundtrack. We're lucky we on the, have a soundtrack, to be honest, with all the shit that they went through. Right. I used to listen to that soundtrack walking to school every day. Oh, the heavy metal soundtrack. Like, yeah, it was like a half hour walk, so I would burn through like one side of the cassette each way. Cool. Over and over again. Uh, um, veteran of a thousand psychic wars. Blue Oyster or veteran Cult. of the psychic wars. Blue yeah, Oyster I, I love that song. Great song. What's I? You know what? That could be my favorite song on the album. It's mine. It, it's yours. That's mine. Yeah, hey, hands down. Yeah. You know what? Taking a ride, which is the one they play during the fifty-two bomber, is a very close right. second for me. The very sure. close second. You know, and all of these songs. With the exception of the actual song Heavy Metal, doesn't get mm-hmm. radio play. None of the songs no. get radio play because it's Sammy Hagar. That's the only song that got any radio play. Even to this day, they still play it sometimes. I, I think I hear Veteran of Psychic Wars every now and then. Oh, really? Oddly enough. Oddly enough. Hmm. I could be wrong. I mean, it's hard to tell. I don't listen to too much radio these days, but I think I heard that on a radio station once a while back. I mean, it's really, it's really uh, a a nice, I mean, heavy metal is such a, um, a product of that time period as far as pop culture goes. Right. Uh, I mean, just beyond, just for the fact that, uh, that you, once it came out, you couldn't get it. Right. Oh yeah. You couldn't get it at all. And 
it was a Cinemax late night, you know, Vanguard cinema. You had to catch it after right. midnight. And that's the yeah. first time I ever saw it was in the 80s after midnight. And ever since I saw that for the first time, I was like, I, how do I get it? And you couldn't. As a matter of fact, don't you have a story about sending away for it? It was like in the back of a comic book or a magazine that you did you got and you sent away oh, for it? Or is that my story? Else. That's probably it's somebody else because I, I recorded it off of Cinemax. I did too. I have – you know what? That's my story. <laughs> That's my story. I sent away huh? for it. I, I Hey, it's so long ago. <laughs> Just be happy I even remember this. All right? This is this is like wait, 25 wait, years wait, ago. Am I the Italian one or are you the Italian one? What does that mean? Who's, who's Italian here? I am. Oh, it is your story then. Go ahead. The fuck? Did, what? That didn't make <laughs> any sense. How are you forgetting that, that that's your story? If it's your story, how are you associating that I with I remember there was a story <laughs> of somebody sending away for heavy metal and then getting a letter back saying that we are not releasing this and they uh, the money was refunded. Or actually, to be honest, I don't even know if I got my money back. If you remember the story, it's not yours. Somebody told it to you. What? If you remember I as thought, a story... Listen, the, it, it was only one of two people's stories. It was either your story or my story. I thought it was yours. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't go trading stories like that. That's not going to work for I'm me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was either yours or I, mine. And if you said it wasn't yours, it's got to be mine. But Who else could it be? I don't remember anybody else. Maybe it was Bujna. This is a scary conversation. Think it was Bujna? Uh, <laughs> was it Bujna? <laughs> is he even the chat? Is he in the chat room? No, nope. I don't. I'm not in the chat room. I don't know. No, he's idea. not in the chat room. Um, the great thing about the movie when it came out too is not only did it have that cult status uh, based on what it was, right. it had an additional cult status based on the fact you couldn't get it, and also you didn't have to be into music to be into it you didn't have to be in the animation to be into it so it right. was like that nice middle ground between the different kinds of geeks and different kinds of uh, uh culture where it was really a universal mix between the two yeah i, I mean and it's it's a cult you know cult status even to this day and forever like this this is the scene this is the the scene that's on now is and i'll i'll point her out when she comes on the screen this is the, 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 the cartoon that I challenged you because you challenged me to Going Ape. And the girl that's in here reminded me of the girl, the love interest in Going Ape because of the hair that she had, the way it was shaped, the way her face is shaped. It, I mean, from the neck up because the, the girl obviously in Heavy Metal has gigantic breasts. Whereas the girl Really? From, I didn't notice. No, you didn't notice? Whereas the no, girl from notice. Going Ape, you know, is normal sized. Well, anyway, from the neck up, they, they could be twins. And it just, the whole time I'm watching Going Ape, I'm like, this person looks like somebody, looks like somebody. And then it hit me when he told her he wanted her to dye her hair red. I'm like, fuck, heavy metal. So that's when I got the idea to challenge you. I was thinking Lucille Ball. Uh, no, you weren't. No, honest. You were? Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Locked on. You got some splaining to do. You got splaining. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, and 
heavy metal for the most part, like you said. Cult cult film to this day, one of my favorites. Anthology, highly recommended if you haven't seen it yet. If this is their first, I mean, we're playing the movie in the background. It's much better with sound, obviously. Um, yeah, there she is. Definitely. Yeah, definitely the chick from Going Ape. Good so, movie challenge, Joey. <laughs> so, um, uh huh. 15, 20 years later, yes. they decided to do a sequel. Yes, they did. Um, they decided now, to take part in the gimmick that was the year 2000 and call it Heavy Metal 2000. Even though it was originally supposed to be called Heavy Metal Fac 2, which was the abandoned planet in the film. There was supposed to be no life on it, and that's where they went. Um, but, yeah, they, they decided to create a sequel. And uh, the original creator, the original creator was who was oh. his name? Kevin Eastman. Oh, oh, cold. Stop a second. What? Did they ever explain what Fact Two meant? No, not that I know of. I think it was supposed to be the name of the the, the planet that she lived on, that supposedly had no life. They were right, trying to but... find. Uh, they were trying to find. Um, the key to everlasting life. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Mineral. But it just—it's fact too. What the hell does the fact mean? I—I I, I really don't think they explain it in the film. I think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be pretty much fuck, but because they can't say fuck, they called it fact, and it was kind of like an inside joke. I don't know that as fact. It's—I'm guessing it. I, with the level of writing in this movie, I don't doubt it but i'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you yeah kevin, yeah, eastman, kevin eastman who is the who who's the cre original creator of heavy metal or one of and well he saw a an opportunity to a he's take, the current hold on go ahead. hold on he's the he was the current editor of heavy metal and he was one of the he was the creator of the ninja turtles okay kevin eastman if you look at that's right you're right you, right He's the original creator of the Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm -hmm. uh, back when it was just a comic book. And, of course, he was involved in the comics and everything and heavy metal and all that as well. That's how he eventually became the editor. If you look at his credits on IMDb, his film credits are literally Turtles, 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 Heavy Metal 2, Turtles, 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 Turtles. <laughs> the only thing he's done film-wise that has not been directly related to his Turtles franchise is this piece of shit. Yeah, and it shows. Um, and it shows to the point of where Julie Strain is the heroine in the film. And I, from what from what I understand, I don't think they're together anymore because her name isn't Julie Strain Eastman anymore. It's just Julie Strain again. So it might be a professional name. Um, I, didn't see, I, didn't, I didn't see anything that said they were divorced. When oh, I was really? doing my Here, I'll, I'll look him up right now. Um, well, but got, yeah, the, the whole reason why she's even in the fucking movie was because they were together at that point. Right. So. And now, unlike unlike the uh, original Heavy Metal. Oh, no, there's, it does this, say they're still married. It's just Julie Strain. Yeah. They don't even, it doesn't have a start date from when they were married. It just says question mark to present. <laughs> well, maybe they don't even know. Fucking hell. Uh, but 
and and she I, I always hate it when when filmmakers or whatever put their spouses in their projects absolutely and and this one especially so uh she she actually did now this was all a build up towards like trying to bring up back another franchise yep. this is kevin eastman the ooh, ooh i made the teenage mutant Ninja turtles and now I've got a whole franchise here thinking, let's take heavy metal and let's make a new franchise. The movie was a promotional campaign for the video game. Yes, it was. And I remember when I heard that heavy metal, when it was, when it was coming out, I was, I was very excited. I had, I had high expectations for it. And of course it didn't meet any of those expectations whatsoever. Um, it just, just the fact that it uses as much CGI as it does instead of, you know, real animation. If you compare it even to just the original Heavy Metal, not even just every other animated film, you know, prior to it, the animation is atrocious. It's absolutely well, atrocious. It's like, it's cheaply drawn, cheaply animated, and cheaply put together on top of expensive but not very good CGI. Well, you can tell, too, and uh, what makes the CGI even worse is obviously what they're trying to do is mimic the animation style of the original Heavy Metal. So it's really more dated than it should be, considering it was made in 2000. Right. Uh, for, for the first five minutes, up until the first death occurs, it could have been a really a really nice uh, like He-Man movie. <laughs> There's really nothing separating it from Saturday morning cartoons up until that first death. You're like, right. oh, this could be anything, literally. And um, when you're dating your animation that much, where it looks like a Thunderbirds, uh, Thundercats cartoon, so it looks like the original, and then you're throwing in computer animation at random. I actually think it, it, Thundercats might be better animated. That's how bad this was. Well, in 2000. It's a good analogy. It's a good analogy. But yeah, and well, thank you, thank you for stepping on it then. And. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, just <laughs> mixing that CGI in there right. really just de defeats that whole purpose. It's like, yeah. oh, look what we can do. Then why aren't you doing it with the rest of the film? Why am I watching this stuff that, you know, the original Heavy Metal had better animation oh. than this? Oh, absolutely. Why would you do that? And so it, he's, he was making a franchise. She, uh, his wife, Julie Strain, posed for uh, centerfolds in the costume for the movie. Yep. And I think it was Penthouse, I believe. I believe it was. And so she, she's promoting it with her uh, modeling as well. This is the whole thing was to build up, okay, and then after this. And in the film, there's an ad for the video game. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a space shot. It's on the back, it's like on the side wall of a ship or something. It's it, just the loading dock when they're flying into the space station. It's a huge poster advertising it, and it's on screen from different angles for a good solid two minutes. Yeah, it's terrible. So and, bad. And, and, you, and you can just tell, this is like, okay, we're going to bring heavy metal into the mainstream, and who knows, after this, maybe you would have had like a Simpsons uh, primetime cartoon, heavy metal cartoon. I guarantee that's where he was going with it. I'm and sure. Just, he might have been successful just, if he did it in this day and age, maybe with Adult Swim being as popular as it is right now, but not then. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, he could do something in Adult Swim, but even then, and on top of that, on top of the animation being bad, mm -hmm. the film, unlike the original, it's not an anthology. Instead, it's an adaptation of the graphic novel he co-created with Simon Bisley, who uh, oh, most... Oh, yeah, that's most, right. You're right. Right. Most, most, 
Sorry, okay. I got sidetracked. Um, <laughs> my vast is uh, working now. <laughs> the um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got stuff shouting in my ear. Uh, Simon Bisley, most comic book fans will know him as uh, one of the artists that did Lobo. All right, that's right. You're right. So, and they had a graphic novel called The Melting Pot. So it's not even oh, let's take some other, let's get other artists and do another montage of stuff, or let's get other uh, classic, famous heavy metal cartoon like like Ranksorox, for example, yeah. like fucking Ranksorox, for example. And instead, it's like oh, I know, let's just adapt mo- uh, the st- thing that I did, and let's put heavy metal on it. And what's even worse is that it feels like a two-hour version of. Tarna. The part of heavy metal you and I hated the most. Tarna. <laughs> or like, right. So it, it's like, let's take Tarna and let's make it into a, a, an hour and a half film. Oh, God. Brilliant idea. Yeah, actually, that the Tarna part of heavy metal is on right now. And as I'm watching it and talking to you, I'm just saying, I swear to God, for a split second, I thought it was heavy metal, too. I really did. As you were saying it, I looked over. I'm like, oh, wait, that's what... Oh, no, this is not heavy metal. This is uh, heavy metal, too. It's heavy metal. Um, but, yeah, it's Tarn- just... Tarn is terrible. The Tarn part is... Tarn part is the cheer up Charlie part of the film. Oh, yeah. It really is. Anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, if you ever watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, everybody in the world fast-forwards through the cheer up Charlie song. That's right. I think yeah, I mentioned that on a that- podcast way back when that the beauty part about it having it on Laserdisc, DVD, and or Blu-ray is that it's a fucking the chapter stop. <laughs> <laughs> but every film has that one part where it's like, all right, why is this even in here fast forward? Especially films that are really good that have like a lot of stuff in it. Yeah. Tarna is the heavy metal fast forward part. Is the is, is the chirp Charlie it's part? It's unfortunate too uh, because it's it's the last act. It's 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 to end the film. It's to bring. It full circle from the beginning to the end, and it's the weakest one of the whole movie. It's not horrible. I shouldn't say it was horrible. I did say that a minute ago. It's just not the best one in any way, shape, or form. It's the best one if you're really into like the sword and fan. You know what? If 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 you cream over Ralph Bakshi cartoons, mm-hmm. that's your favorite part of them. But yeah. if you've got if you're a bit more discerning taste, not to knock all the Bakshi fans out there, but screw him. Uh, really, it, it is the weakest part. So Heavy Metal 2000 feels like the same thing. And the only real tie-in you have to the original Heavy Metal is that the object uh, of evil, source of evil in this case, which is the the key, right. which is really like a shard, like like the kryptonite shard, uh, glows green like the Lochnar did. Right, correct. Yeah, and then, so, so this one mind finds it, he becomes possessed by the evil and goes on a rampage to become immortal. Uh, there's a whole subplot there that nobody cares about, and um, what's her name? Julie in the film. Julie, yeah. They don't even change her name. No. Julie she plays herself basically. Uh, she goes to, the, to avenge the death of the rest of her population on the planet that he killed because they have traces of the mineral in her body. Uh, you think it would be? You think it would be easier for her to act because it's animated and it's not, she's still terrible. Oh, her it's, delivery it's, it's, it's is atrocious. Well, now let's be fair. All of the writing in this film is atrocious. Yeah, but Michael Ironside... It's a waste of Michael Ironside, first of all. But you do get little gems from him in this film just because he's just so fucking evil. But only because of his delivery. The, the exactly, writing is... Exactly, exactly. There's... 
I mean, <laughs> even just and they even do a run the running gag of uh, like he said the guy says two or three times in the film when you kill a man make sure he's dead right and like they set up the running gag and then they don't follow through the, at the end oh like she, <laughs> I'm waiting for her to say that I'm like like it's, the only thing worse than setting that up and having to wait for them to say it at the end is when they actually don't and you're like well shit. Why would you even set that up? Why would you repeat that lame line three times if you weren't setting it up? Yeah, easily he does say it three times throughout the film. Easily yeah, um, three times. And and in the first 15 minutes, I mean, again, the first five minutes is like nothing. In the first 15 minutes, they go out of the way that, to put as much you know violence and sex in there as possible. But after a while, it just becomes, oh, look, there's more breasts. Yeah. <laughs> and... If the animation was better, it'd be cool. But again, the animation, they, they draw it back to go nostalgic. And so even then, it's like, well, I've seen better breasts. <laughs> Animated or not, seen better. I think it could actually have been saved with just a better writing. If the writing was snappier, if the dialogue actually worked, if the characters had any anything uh, that drew me into them, Right. I mean, Michael Ironside's character obviously is the most interesting character of the film. Right. And I rooted for him the whole movie just because I hated it so much. But <laughs> I mean, you just knew he wasn't... Spoiler alert, he doesn't win. He's the bad guy. Um, right. You just you root for him the whole film because it's so bad. You, you, know, you only want him to win because it is so bad. You know, he's not a villain that you love to hate. It's, it's just... It's just the only gleaming part of the film. It's that's you know, he's not even he, he's not even good enough to love to hate. He's, yeah, he does. This is not this doesn't even surpass Michael Ironside and Total Recall. Right. <laughs> this doesn't even this doesn't even surpass Michael Ironside and Highlander Two. Ooh. And yeah. that's the and again, there's another film that he's the only good part of. Mm-hmm. So I'm. And 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 best of all, the the demon at the end. Yeah, the worst CGI of two thousand ever. The 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 last Starfighter, the animate yeah. animation of that better than the alien at the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's saying something, isn't it? It yeah. sure is. Holy shit! Jesus. And you you'd you'd think animated gore and well, it's also like remember that. TV show Tripping the Rift that came out? Um, like that's. It was I, in a. No, you don't. I that's, don't think that's so. My point, that's my point exactly. It was it was a cable. I forget which cable channel did it. It might have been Spike. And it was uh, it was sex and crude adult humor in a computer animated cartoon, uh, like a space one. And I remember I caught the first episode. I'm like, all oh, right, this is like the heavy metal stuff. And you watch it for one episode. And it's just it's terrible. So all all you're doing is throwing sex jokes at the screen. There's no there's no inspiration here. There's, there's no style. Uh, the animation is just oh, we can do this, but there's no. I mean, you watch me like heavy metal, and there's art artistry involved. Right. And that's what's oddly. And again, and I, you know, I'm not knocking the guy. He did a cool comic book, and it became a huge franchise. Good for him. He made his money on it. Yeah. But you can tell sure. you can tell with the animation in this that there is no artistry or soul or passion. It's just okay. Here's the next franchise. What do we have to have in here? We have to have this. We have to have that. We have to have that. Put it out there. There's no heart. This isn't art. This is just product. Right. Right. And you can feel it all the way Absolutely. through. Absolutely. Yeah. It's product. No art. And again, to to just before we go to break, it is. 
it is gimmicky, you know, year 2000 shit. I mean, how many movies? We, you know, we should make that an episode. We should we should look just briefly, not maybe maybe making an episode, but look at all the films that have the the word or title the number 2000 in it. I mean, you got Heavy oh, Metal getting... 2000, Dracula 2000, um Death Race 2000. That didn't come out in Cherry 2000. 2000. Didn't come out. In two... come... Oh, okay, you're right. Okay, we can do it as a whole. Still has it in the title. Yeah, I was Cherry talking about 2000. I was talking about movies that came out in the year 2000. No, with, no, 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 no. With 2000 in the title. Don't narrow yourself down. Every film that has 2000 in the title, Cherry 2000, that's got to be in there. Oh yeah, Cherry that's 2000. Every every guy who grew up with access to a video rental store in the uh, late 80s, early 90s knows Cherry 2000. Fucking hey, right. Was that that was Melanie yeah. Griffith, right? Yeah. What? Not yeah. as Cherry 2000. No, Cherry 2000 no. was the robot he was trying to get back. The, the sex robot. The yeah, sex yeah. robot. One man's quest to save a sex robot. Every guy can, <laughs> can you know that's they're they're into that film immediately. So well, I, yeah, of course yeah. you're gonna drive across the country for that. Those <laughs> things don't come cheap. No, I think they even said what she cost in the film, and it was like absurd. It's like you paid well, and then, what? And even here you go for in in uh, Heavy Metal two thousand. There's a sex robot. That's right, and that is the saddest sex robot I've ever seen. Even in the year two thousand. They had better looking sex dolls. <laughs> not, not that I w- should know that or would know that, but Correct. it's true. Yeah. All right, let's go to break real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what's coming out this weekend. And before gonna, you do that, though, what? Before you do that, we have to rate the films just reviewed on IMDb. You want to rate it? We all have right. to rate all three of them. All three. All right. I'll put you back on the screen then. Right. So let's start with heavy metal. Heavy metal. Let's let's do right this in chronological the, order the right way. Right now the right now the current rating is six point five out of ten. Okay. Personally, for me, it's a little higher than that. I agree. I would say if you start at ten, and you knock off a point for Tarna. Tarna. I would say knock a point off for Tarna. Knock. I would knock a point off for the the one that is right before Tarna, which is the one that uh, I created the challenge for, which is where the girl gets shot up in the space. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, kinda. I would take well, a, was a- I would take a point off for that too. I mean, it's okay. Uh, all right, and I'm going to take a point off for uh, not having the, the proper Devo song on the soundtrack. So that takes us down to seven. Seven. You know what? I want to. I want. I'd like it a little higher than a seven, like a seven point five. Really? Yeah, seven point five. Can't do point five. It's got to be seven or eight. Oh really? It, it's it's ten stars. Come on. I don't know if not having the Devo song on the soundtrack, which has nothing to do with the film, it's in the movie. I don't think that should play a part in the score. Well, that's my. That's my. That's my. You know, uh, I'll give you I'll give you an eight only because it is an iconic film. I think it's a little higher rated an animated film. All right, all right. Let's give it seven. Let's give it a seven. Thank then. you. All, all right, right. See, we'll, we'll give it a seven. We'll give it a seven. You're right because right, I think lock- Rock and Rule is the hey. better movie. There was a problem. It's what? still rated. It just 
What? No, it's still rated it. It just said there was a problem. All right. Now let's uh, move on to let's move on to rock and roll. All right, I'm gonna start off at three. Fuck you, three. What do you want to give this one? I would give it a solid eight. Um, I, would, I would give rock and roll a solid eight for me personally. That's my personal. I might even give it a higher higher number than that, but I'll uh, I'll cut you off at eight then. I'll give it an eight. Eight is I think eight's good for for rock and roll. I get it gets extra points for for having uh, original music in it and Iggy Pop and Iggy Pop. All right, and that that original rating was six point five as well. Yeah, I I think I think the ratings now, are lower than they might or they they should be for just for the very reason that you get new viewers now that don't get that nostalgic. It, you know, they yeah. don't get that. Um, they may enjoy well, really, it still, but and but nostalgia shouldn't play a role in it. The film should stand on its own. It shouldn't, and it does. But now, speaking I think, of ratings. That- I think with, with shit that comes out today, you know, with the CGI that they use for animated films today, they look at this and they're like, oh, wow. You know, it's kind of hard to relate. You know, it's it, yeah. it's like looking at a, you know, a CRT television from 15 years ago. It's like, wow, you had those. And that was only 15 years ago. Looking at a typewriter. What's that? Yeah. What the fuck's a typewriter? Last one made in India rip- about a year ago. Where's the ink cartridge go? Anyway, yep. uh, speaking of un, um, undeserved ratings, Heavy Metal 2000 has 5.2. It's too high. Too high. It's I agree. entirely too high. Um, let's start at 5 and work our way down. Take a point off because it was more CGI than animation. Oh, no. Hold on. Well, I, I disagree. Start at 1 and give me reasons to give it good, good points. <laughs> give it 1 star. Start at 1 star. 1 give, star give and work our way up? All right. Give me- um... Not as easy, is it? No, it's not. Good... <laughs> two, Michael Ironside. I'll give you. I'll put it okay. up to two. Two for Michael Ironside. Now um, it has breasts. Do we give it three just on the on the breast alone? But they're not good breasts. They're not as good as they were in Heavy Metal. They were like the scene, the opening scene where she's showering and she's like putting her hand underneath, like you know, like to wash it, and it's supposed to look sexy. It just looks like it's fifteen frames a second. It just looks awful. Doesn't look I, I, good I at you, all. I'll give you that. All right, no go there. You know, um, it's just repetition. It's animated repetition. No. There's no style to it. And let's be fair. Uh, Taylor, Tyler—that's the name of the bad guy. Tyler. Now, be fair. He did try to rape the bar barmaid in the bar. In the bar. <laughs> and no right. one moved to stop him. No. Nope. I think it deserves. I think it deserves a, a, a star just for the cartoon at- rape attempt. Okay, so we're up to three. No, we're up to two. We were at one. And then we, uh, we, we gave, gave one, one for, for, all, for just for having Ironside in it. That's right. That's so, right. One for Ironside, one for the rape. Right. Okay. One for the rape. Attempted rape. Not Attempted didn't actually rape. happen. So we're at three. Now now and, and all, for for our female view listeners, obviously rape is bad. Of course. But attempted cartoon rape can be fun. <laughs> it's not reality. Not, it's not all well, yeah. Um, he- I'd almost say to take a point away because the main villain's name is Tyler. Who the fuck came up with that? What a uh, pussy uh, villain name that is. Tyler? I think they were trying to like tie him to... Whatever, dude. Aerosmith. I mean, you might be fucking oh. right. Oh, you know what? Knock off, knock off a star for shitty music. The music is fucking shitty. 
and it's a lot of these newer bands or new you know at the time and i th- i think some of it was even original and it's like musically just talent just went out the fucking window yeah just really bad music all around all around and and they uh, is yeah i just I, I saw someone complained that, well it wasn't all like you know it wasn't all rock well, I guess, but then it's called heavy metal, so you'd really expect more like metal metal music, wouldn't you? Well, so, the argument is the original film, heavy metal, didn't have was a rock and roll was rock yeah. and roll, not metal. But <sighs> so two, any reason not to give it two? No, two two is. I'd be comfortable with is. three. I'm also comfortable with two. Either one, I'm okay with. But two, you're right. The music is fucking shitty. Knocks it right down to two. You know what? I I'd almost go with three, but no quotable lines, horrible, uninspiring, uninspiring dialogue, really nothing interesting dialogue. No value. There's no value anywhere in the film. Oh, you know what? We could knock it down another star for having the fucking video game on screen for like two minutes. Mm. Oh yeah. Um. So you know what? Let um. You want to knock? Let's make it two. Make it two. Okay. I can't do one. One is like Birdemic. I can't go... Uh, this is true. One is Alone in the Dark. <laughs> it sure fucking is. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. It is hard. All right, two it is. Two it is. Locked it in. Beautiful. That should knock it down a peg. Probably not. All right, Probably so we're, now you can take your little break. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I had to square things away. Very good. All right, so uh, we're going to go to break. We're going to talk about what's coming out this weekend. We're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about Tony Scott, who committed suicide just a few days ago, and uh, we'll just talk about some of his films and just you know about him. All right, sure. We'll be right back. Are you home alone tonight? Got no one to cuddle? Urgent, urgent for some connection. Don't worry, daddy ain't gonna hurt you. Just tune in Movie Sucktastic. Give us a call at 908-514-4470. Tell us what bad movies have been tickling you. Just call after dark. We like it that way. Okay, now join me, Mylar, in welcoming tonight's last act.
Ouch. Some of these, um, like the clips that I just played in the break, mm-hmm. they're so old that the sound quality is fucking horrible. I'm going to have to fix that. <laughs> for the podcast, I mean, for the video, I can't because it's being sent over to a server uh, through live stream. But for the podcast, I got to fix it. It's fucking horrible. That's, yeah, that's like a rock and roll one was decent. Then it goes into the TV spot for heavy metal, and it's about two decibels. But I am so tired. <laughs> How long can this go on? That pretty much sums up Thursday nights for me. Yeah, so, let me tell you. <laughs> now that we've added a second podcast on well, the well, mix. Well, what the fuck were we thinking? I don't know. We were thinking we'd just do the other podcast for like half an hour. Yeah, and we're pushing an hour and a half every week now. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and, and you think we're even uh, semi-slightly entertaining and you like to hear more of our bitching and moaning but uh, without movies involved, tune in to Strangers in a Strange Land. We are also on iTunes there. Our website is Strangeland Radio, which I'm behind in updating. My apologies, although the podcasts are current on that site for streaming. Completely current. Uh, listen in. We, we talk about pop culture, um, news, politics, and anything else that's depressing us. It's a really upbeat show. Please listen in. <laughs> and speaking of upbeat, yeah. Tony Scott's dead. Tony Scott is fucking dead. I <sighs> have my theories. Do we want to talk about what's coming out first? We just want to talk a little bit about Tony Scott. Uh, let's talk Tony Scott first. I don't have much to say, honestly. I, I honestly just think he committed suicide because he didn't want to be a part of Prometheus Two. <laughs> That's your theory, right? That's my theory. One of the one of the one of the things that I read was that he had inoperable uh, brain cancer, and he decided to take his own life. Um, he just didn't want to. I guess That's the working title for Prometheus Two. <laughs> inoperable brain cancer. Yeah, they're doing that so no one steals the prince. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, it's, he, you know, he wanted to take his life. He didn't want to end up just slowly dying a painful death. Uh, and you know what, from what reports say, they saw him drive up to the bridge, climb, jump without hesitation. Cause you get a lot of people that jump off bridges. There was that documentary called the bridge where they had video and they basically, it was a good documentary, but they, had actual footage of one guy that walked up to the bridge and walked away, walked up, walked away. Like the whole movie, they kept going back, and then finally at the end, he did it. And you get they you get a lot of people that do that, where it's not so instant. But Tony Scott, he's like, fuck, let's do this. You know? I'm, I'm jumping, Boom. I'm not even thinking twice. Although the like survivors... 
Yeah. The survivors that they did interview in the film did mention that they regretted it immediately. The second they, they leaped, as they're plummeting, they're like, what the fuck did I just do? And I, I'm going to die. But there were, I think there well, was two or three is. survivors in the film. Yeah, you know what it is, too, is because you're, you're, they're depressed and they're upset and emotional. And once you jump, that adrenaline hits you like a like a sledgehammer, right. and immediately survival instinct kicks in, and it's like, oh, what am I? You know, it's immediately you're. I, I don't Turns care your how life much you around. want. Yeah, the minute that adrenaline hits you, your body, your brain, it hits with those endorphins that where survival is the only option. And so, yeah, I mean that. Uh, you know, I'm they, not they saying say, suicide is the best option for. I'm not saying suicide is the best cure for depression. Right. I'm just saying bodily chemicals do play a strong role in that instance. Of course, they do. Uh, they say that. Uh, jumping from a bridge, like say the Golden Gate Bridge, which is uh, the documentary was filmed uh, for that bridge. Um, they do say that death is pretty much instant the second you hit the water. Oh, at that speed, it's like hitting a brick wall. Right, exactly. So to survive it, you know, the people, a lot of people find God because they can't imagine how they could survive any other way. Uh, speaking, Tony speaking, Scott was not uh, not one of those people. <laughs> ha, ha 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 sorry i liked tony scott i genuinely liked him oh, i think you, you we were going back and forth through uh, uh instant message the other day where you very perfectly said even his shitty movies were still pretty good he yeah, just I had mean, that style that, he just there had films that his i don't like that I don't, but I never went back and said that was a bad film. It's just no, I didn't care for it. It was right. just he was a good filmmaker. It was just he just better than and, his brother. You know, I truly believe better than his brother. Didn't get the recognition that Ridley Scott gets, but I do believe he's a better filmmaker. Yeah, and I mean, and when you look back, it, it's how few films he made, considering. Right. Yeah, that's I true just, too. Uh, but and he made some iconic films, some of which I don't care for. But uh, right. I, again, I just he did some great stuff, and he wasn't like uh, he's not one of those directors or, or producers that after a while you just just grew to hate them for what they did. Right. You right. know, he pretty much stayed steady. He, you know, he, he was professional through and through. What can I say? Yeah. Spe um, speaking of uh, directors and stuff that I don't like, mm. I, I've got to mention this now just because I, I glanced at it while I was double checking our. Uh, Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, someone posted a quote from Steven Spielberg. About? Uh, about Schindler's List. Oh, I saw that. Which I'm not a fan. Oh, you saw that one? Is that I the, believe, you know the one I'm believe, talking about? I believe I saw the quote. I'm not. You know this what? quote is. Oh, you know what? No. Uh, what I'm referring to, and we'll get to it briefly when we do the uh, what's coming out. 2016, Obama's America apparently was produced by... The Academy Award-winning producer of Schindler's List. I saw that poster <laughs> today. Yeah. <sighs> um, Let me guess. But, he's uh, wealthy. The, the quote is, One day we had Passover at the hotel forum, and we invited the whole cast and crew of Schindler's List to come. The Israeli actors took the German actors and shared their Haggadahs. Uh, Haggadah? I think that's probably pronounced it. With Haggadahs. them. I just, I just cried like a baby. I, the false sentiment is overwhelming because it's not like you don't they're not actually Nazi soldiers right Steve 
it's they're fucking modern day Germans who really aren't as anti-Semitic as you might think. I, what the fuck does that even mean? I, so I sorry, I just I uh, I don't I, know this person, so I can't see the quote. Is that what you're telling me? No, Steven Spielberg. That was Steven Spielberg. Oh, Spielberg quote. quoted it. Oh, okay. I thought it was someone yeah. on your Facebook no, no, saying that, that be, and they okay. I thought part of that was Spielberg, part of that was someone that you knew. Oh no, that that's was all Spielberg. Steven Spielberg what a yes. douche. I cried like a baby. No, you didn't fucking cry like a baby because you've seen Germans and Jews get along since the fucking Holocaust. He knew at that moment he was gonna get best picture, that's why he cried. Yeah. I <laughs> I cried because I was paying for the meal. No, I fucking hate him. <laughs> hate him. This is the fake fucking. I don't I, hate Spielberg yet. I I like enough. I like enough of the stuff he's done. No, to, he's made too much shit. He's he's too much. Again, he's just like. I think he's like done Kennedy. more good than shit. But he has and, he has done shit. But unlike Tony Scott, I think he went from being a real filmmaker to just being a product guy. And it's all product now, and he's part of this cabal. I who think wants he's to make always been a product guy, but I think but he more so. Well, yeah, I mean, I... he's up. The, he's part of the cabal that's pushing like the the forty eight frames per second and all that bullshit. He's one of those guys, he's, right? Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's up there with all. They're well, all. Yeah, because anything the, that Lucas does, he's got his fucking back. That that's that right there is just. Yeah, he's one of the five guys running Hollywood as far as like the five main big guys who greenlight everything and do everything. You know, these are the big money guys. He's one of them, and he, this is mass push to just mark, you know, just marketize everything and just suck the fucking art right out of it. And the the fake sentiment behind shit like Schindler's List and uh, and um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. That kind, I just no, no, don't shit on don't shit on Saving Private Ryan. Don't don't like the film. I know you don't Sorry. like it, but you can't shit on it. it. Fucking yeah, great movie. I will now. I will I defend agree. Saving Private Ryan to fucking to the film. end. Not a horrible film. It's, nah, I, I, I you're wrong. You're film. really wrong about Saving. You can you can not like it, but I think it's unnecessarily violent. I think it's a poor screenplay. <laughs> it's fucking World War Two. I so you don't I mean you don't have to be that violent. World on War screen. Two was one of the most violent wars there was. One one of the, you mean, all wars are violence, sir. Yeah, but as far as uh, you know, play what music went, on me. I'm not playing music on you. I'm setting up heard- because we're gonna end the show <laughs> soon. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it just come on. You can't. You can't think now. Nah. Saving Save Private Ryan is nah. Sorry, sir. I, all this, all these over melodramatic war films that that like glorify the whole thing. I don't care for it. I don't like them. I know and, you and don't I, like them. Doesn't I don't, mean, and I does don't, not mean that they're not good. I I there are Saving ones Private I Ryan is a great fucking movie. I know I, I, I know Bujna will agree with you that he I'm didn't like it. it. Although I I don't understand he he fucking hated Saving Private Ryan but loved Band of Brothers. Where Band of Brothers is like Saving Private Ryan. 10 hours long. Now, Bujna hated um, the the bomb one. What? Pearl Harbor? Why am I blanking out? What? Pearl Harbor? Uh, ben Affleck? The, <laughs> no, the, the, bomb, the bomb squad one. The bomb squad one. Spielberg's wife? Spielberg's wife. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Look in the Hurt Locker. 
Oh, the Hurt Locker. That's not Spielberg. Cameron, come on. I meant Cameron. Help, help me wrong. out, dude. This I is how you got Cameron. in trouble the last time. The bomb. The bomb. And it was also ca a Cameron reference. The bomb, the bomb Squad movie. That's, you know, we're talking the war bomb, films. Yes, Chris Locker. did not. Uh, Bujna did not like the Hurt Locker at all. No, see, I, I, I like I the, Hurt. the Hurt Locker. So there. See, I'm not biased against all war I, films. Yes. Well, Private Ryan. No. You're wrong. Oh look! Here's a wacky scene where we find Nazis behind the wall. <laughs> that wasn't a wacky scene. It was fucking great. It's fucking bullshit. Oh whatever. Anyway, what's coming out new? All right, uh, August twenty fourth, which is tomorrow, uh, coming out is already. Yeah, the apparition being released in eight hundred and ten theaters. Wow, that's not a lot of screens for a horror film. That's new Sam Raimi film, correct? That is, yes, produced. Sam Raimi produced or presents. Right. Yes, that is, let's put somebody, somebody's name who's famous on the movie and hopefully we'll get, we'll sell it. Kind of like Robert Rodriguez presents uh, uh, the uh, Predators. Or before Transformers turned out to be a good franchise, it was Steven Spielberg presents Transformers because Michael right. Bay's career was kind of up in the air because he had done The Island, and he hadn't done anything yeah. since, you know. Yeah, um, those copyright lawsuits tend to put a kibosh on your career there. Yeah, so this is Sam Raimi presents uh, the apparition. Uh, it, it looks it looks stupid. They have a shot in the trailer where she opens her mouth and there's two fingers in the back of her throat. That like look like almost like spider ish where it's gonna crawl out. It's like really we've run out of ways to try and fucking freak people out. It's well, it's silly. Shit, it's just silly at this point. A lot of a lot of shit like that is, is they're still stealing from Japanese horror films. Yes, that do stuff like I mean that like you you had that whole rash of American remakes of uh, Japanese horror films, Japanese horror films, Japanese, uh, and Korean horror films, etc. Yep. All those foreign horror films, and you're still seeing the results of that. Where we're we're kind of like taking it as our culture now, and we're to keep doing stuff like that in our films because CGI wise we can, and it's but yeah. I love the plot that IMDb has for it, which is uh, a couple are haunted by a supernatural presence that is unleashed. During a college experiment, <laughs> beer pong the movie. <sighs> also coming out tomorrow is Hit and Run with Bradley Cooper, and <sighs> it, it's a comedy. It's it's going wide. It's almost in three thousand screens. You know, it just says from the producer of the Wedding Crashers. I don't know. I just I don't know. I saw the full the full length trailer. Right. Have you seen the full length trailer? Yeah, I have. The the whole running gag of I was raped in prison. Right. The fact that they draw that running gag throughout the entire trailer really leads me to believe there's nothing else in this film except for sex jokes and the the I was raped running gag. That's it. They're just going on the success of uh, Wedding Crashers. That's all they got. That's it. From the producer of Wedding Crashers, it's got Bradley Cooper, who was in Wedding Crashers. That's all mm -hmm. they're going with. That's which, all. Which this is not going to have a good opening weekend. It might, it might do fifteen, might do twenty. If it does more than that, then people are just really fucking bored. They're just really this, looking for anything new to come out. This is one of your your. This is a filler. Yeah, it'll make its money back on DVD and foreign. They're just putting it out there to save a spot in the system. It That's could make all its this money is. back American, but. You know, it just, you're right. It is absolute filler. 
well, and last film coming out tomorrow. Oh, hold on. Oh, I didn't well. mention you mentioned the Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Much like Saving Private Ryan, I also thought the Wedding Crashers was like overdrawn. Moving on is Premium Rush coming out tomorrow. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, who is a, um, I guess he's a delivery. He just he's a in the city. He delivers packages on his bicycle. Gets bike caught. messenger. Bike messenger. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he gets caught, you know, in the middle of of something. He's got a package. He's got to deliver it. Gets fucked up, and it just looks. It looks like it's a popcorn film. It just looks like it's a lot of fun. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's oh, in it. Oh, holy shit. You just didn't say that, did you? What? Take that back. Take what back? Popcorn film? Take that back. That's what fucking lazy-ass critics say when you have a fun movie coming out. They don't know what to say. Cause don't, take that back, sir. What? You're better than that. I respect <laughs> you. I respect you as a person. You're better than that. Take that back. <laughs> what am I going to say, then? I don't just, know what else just, to say. <laughs> just say it looks like it looks like an interesting film. It, looks, it doesn't look I like an looks, interesting film. It looks like a stupid that, idea. What why? is it? Fucking Vision Quest. Twenty five years later. It's a thriller. It's he's a he's a bike. Uh, it, okay, bike, George. It, to be honest, in my opinion, the only gleaming factor, uh, you know, the only glimmer of hope is that Joseph Gordon Levitt is in it and he's going to deliver a good performance. Do I think it's going to be a good film? It, it's got a, right. it's got a, it's got a, a small chance because so far, uh, Levitt hasn't done, in my opinion, he hasn't done anything bad yet. He obviously me, knows me, how to pick a script. So let me ease your concerns a bit. David okay. Cope, writing is, and directing. What else has he done? Doesn't David sound, Cope doesn't sound familiar to me. Directing, he's done not too much. Stir of Echoes, The Trigger Effect, which I thought was a very underrated film. Right, Writing, I'm, I'm he's up. done Trigger. I think it's Coop, not Cope. Don't give a shit. Uh, Stir of Echoes. That's why I didn't uh, recognize Snake it. Eyes. <laughs> what? It's why I didn't recognize it. If you said Coop, I probably would have got it. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. I think his, his claim to fame is probably uh, Stir of Echoes. Oh, Secret Window. Is that the one with Johnny Depp? Yes. Okay, I never saw that. He's got his bad ones too. He did. He was involved with the screenplay for uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. He, um, you know what? I think Shadow, the Shadow. He was involved with that too. So he doesn't have a spotless track record. But he has some solid films behind him. Okay. You know, I think um, what's his face? Uh, oh fuck! The director of Shawshank Redemption. Um, he originally penned a script for Crystal Skull, and they rejected uh -huh. it because they said there wasn't enough action. So they gave it to Coop to rewrite. You know what? It could be Cope, but it looks like it's Coop to me. Uh, so they, gave, they, they gave him to rewrite it, and that's what you ended up with. What the product that came out is what you you ended up with. Maybe he was working with you know having they completely. Wait a minute. What? I, um, I need to backtrack. The apparition. Yeah. I, I think I got mixed up. I think the possession is the Sam Raimi presents film coming out. That's at the end of August. Oh, really? I think that was my mistake. So they got two uh, films with a the similar apparition. The possession. Oh, you know. God. Well, and you know the deal. The first one. The, the first one that comes out is always the copy. Frank Darabont. I have OCD when it comes okay. to that shit. You know. Yeah. Like, oh, I, that I director. I gotta look it up. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm guessing Sam Raimi had the possession in, in you know, 
in the works, and those so they said, okay, let's get ours out. And you know, the first one that comes out is always the copy. Did Christian Wallner said, "Stop mocking Vision Quest." <laughs> hey, I love the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack of Vision Quest. Uh, well, what's uh, uh, what the fuck's the name of the song? It's their big hit off that. Anyway, Premium Rush looks Red like Rider. It's like a bike. I think it's Red Rider or something like he's that. He's a bike. He's a bike courier that picks up a package that a dirty cop wants, and it becomes one of those chases through the city. Uh, you know, I've been looking forward for a good Quicksilver remake, and this might be the one. Quicksilver. Well, I might have been thinking Quicksilver, not not Vision Quest, to be honest. But the Vision Quest was the first movie that came to my head that had a bike in it. <laughs> what, not BMX Bandits? Oh, uh, Nicole Kidman. No, that hey. was... Uh, no, uh, Nicole Kidman was... Um, uh, rad something. No, Nicole Kidman was... Uh, was it BMX Bandits? Bandits? I'm sure it was BMX Bandits. Bandits. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. It wasn't rad something? I'm pretty sure it was Nicole Kidman. I'm looking it up. Yeah, because I, I watched uh, that documentary recently on, on Aussie films, and they go over that again. It was BMX Bandits. Told you. What the fuck you was know the, the other one? What is? was the other one? It was uh, I think it came out the same year. It was a copycat. It was called Rad something. Yeah. The oh, fuck? Christian Walner said it's Dio, Hungry for Heaven, Hungry from Vision for... Quest. No, no, no. Radar, no. Um, the the one big Christian? hit. Christian? The one, there was he one big hit. Dio. Dio? It wasn't the Dio song. He's, he said it's the Dio song. It wasn't. They still played on a is they still played on a radio. Alright, we're gonna we're gonna fucking find out because I'm not gonna be find able to out. sleep. Maybe maybe Chris can uh maybe Chris can uh call into the show. <laughs> and even he, he and can't even, call even in, Chris I gotta I have to patch him in. Well, not now. He can call in and leave a oh, message, okay. and then we'll, we'll play it later, telling you how wrong you are. But and even he knew B- uh, Bandits was uh, BMX Bandits was Nicole Kidman. Well, does he know the other film? The other one I'm thinking of, Rad something. Rad. It's just Rad. I'm pretty sure it's Rad. Is it just Rad? I think it's just Rad. Okay. Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider. Man, Chris. Chris is That's the big hit. Chris. That's the one that the radio stations play like fucking crazy. All right, Christian Wallner's coming. Tangerine Dream. Christian. <laughs> Didn't they do every 80 soundtrack ever made? I'm calling it now. Christian Walner is going to be a guest be a guest uh, host next week. Next week. Beautiful. And we'll do, uh, what do you want to do, Vision Quest or BMX Bandits? Well, you got it. Do you have a challenge for me? Chris, what film, what film are we reviewing next week? Your call. Chris is going to challenge us. He's listening right now. I'm catching him on uh, on the Facebook feed. Okay. Christian Walner, you're listening. Tell us what we're reviewing next week, and you're going to review it with us. It could Come be on. forthcoming. It doesn't have to be on the on the show right this second. So. It could be forthcoming. Um, so it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. Christian case Walner, scenario, we'll, we'll, we'll do BMX Bandits. We're going to do BMX <laughs> Bandits? Bandits! Or, Christ almighty. Vision Quest. Or either, Vision Quest. Either one? Okay. Yeah. We could do both. <laughs> no, I can't, I, can't, I can't watch both. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. All right. You know what? It's time to end the show. I, I think Chris wants us to do Rad. Rad? Yeah. If I can... F- you know what? I don't think that's been released. 
we'll 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 bump heads with him. We'll figure it out. But we'll, uh, Chris Wallner will be our guest host next week with us. Okay. Sounds uh, go good. Go to moviesucktastic.com. That's it. And everything we do is there. Everything we do is there. Uh, if you want to leave us voicemail, you can at 908-514-4470. If you want to email us, that's themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. Download our episodes on iTunes. Leave us reviews. Um, you know what? Keep downloading them. Bandwidth is getting more and more each month. We know you're listening out there. We'd like a little feedback if you can. Throw us an email once in a while. We'll read it on the air. Um, definitely leave us voicemail. We'll play it on the air. It's fun to hear yourself you know, from when a radio station or a podcast plays your stuff. Uh, so <laughs> it is. I've called uh, places before. It's cool to hear, you know, someone read your question and then answer it. Even if it's stupid, we, we'll play it. I don't give a shit. We also do birthday announcements. <laughs> Tune in next week for our school closings. That's <laughs> Impending weather coming soon at the 11 o'clock <laughs> hour. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. And any wisdom for us, Scott? Um, no. No? Okay. I have no wisdom this week. No Got wisdom? That's okay. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.